Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Yep, you bet. It is Mystery of Parenthood, and we're going to have one of our favorite shows we're going to talk about today. But before we begin and get to our guest host and to Thaddeus, we're going to start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, we're you're listening to uh, Mystery of Parenthood, and... Um, we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies, but we're going to also talk about one of the things that I think is is critical to I think building kind of a culture in your in your in your family, which is to some extent choosing wisely and and watching movies together, reading books together. In this case, we're going to talk about watching movies. So I am excited about having. Well, Thaddeus is here, the great Thaddeus Romanski. Trey, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome doing back great. from. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving! Yeah, from late Thanksgiving, and then on the on the line we have uh, Monica Ashour with Tobit. How are hey you, guys. Monica? <laughs> I'm well. Glad to Good. be back on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. And we kind of were just talking about this, I think, after the last show or maybe before. I can't remember. And it came up just because it is there are there are several things that are kind of um, regulars at the Cashin household, and I think trying to share wanting to share that with people. Um, is important to me, but I think it's it's something that at least whether it's this movie or something else or among others to get people used to maybe having some rituals during during certain periods of time, to having things that they normally do. Um, sharing stories is one of the things that I think is so important in terms of um, raising kids and and this story, which is it's a wonderful life. Um, from back in the 30s, is that right? No, it was the 20s. I'm sorry, you're talking about. It was at late for. It was, it, it was it's made in the 40s, life, 1946. Yeah, it was right after World War II. I That's guess something I was, was going to actually speak to. Yeah, and then, um, but anyway. So um, before we get started, I just want to give you a chance again. Tobit, tell us about Tobit and how people can get to it. This is going to be kind of a little bit different, but I, I'm sure you'll have a spin on it <laughs> as well. Because <laughs> as with everything, the theology of the body actually usually does have some yeah. impact on everything. But go ahead and tell right. us about your that before we get started on that. Yeah, so Tobit.org, T-O-B-E-T.org. We are just doing great. Um, the exciting thing is The Body Matters is um, finishing up. I've, I've been saying that for almost a year. <laughs> Be patient. Um, I'm going through the Nihil Obstat process. Um, wow. With this, it's, he's called the Sensorium um, in Denver. And so it's the last book. So it's very exciting that, you know, we should get the go-ahead um, imprimatur, which means Archbishop Aquila in Denver will let us print this last book, uh, Faithful to the Magisterium, and just a different look on life through a theology of the body lens. It's called Catholicism for Everybody. And so I'm excited about that. And 
That's awesome. Um, excited that there are so many people who are very interested in the books. Um, I'm also excited about it. It's a Wonderful Life, since it's one of my favorite movies. Is too. it yours too? Maybe that's why it came up because I because I just I know it was on the other day and it's come up multiple times with people. I'm surprised at how many people, but I guess you know, it is an old movie. <laughs> So, uh, that 1940, well, well before I was born and I'm, I know well before anybody on this, uh, radio show was born. So, um, but it's been part of, uh, part of kind of our family's life for forever. And, um, well for 20, probably 20 years as, as early as we could get the kids, the oldest kid, even to, to start to figure out, um, what the story was about, I guess, when they can start doing it. I mean, I, Trevor, it might have been set. He might have been seven or eight before it was something that they could um, enjoy. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so we're going to just talk through It's a Wonderful Life and, and um, lessons that we can learn, ways that we can engage our children in, in that um, process and how it fits in the Catholic context and a Catholic lens um, of looking at life and uh, the dignity of the human person. So, um, I yeah, wanted to, and, and to. I don't. Sorry, Thaddeus. Can, can I say one? Yeah, thing? go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Because do we need a spoiler alert? <laughs> because I don't yeah. think so. I think even if we tell like the ending and, and whatever, I, I think it it just stands on its own. So I wanted to ask you all that before. We yeah, that's a great question. It. I hadn't. I think honestly spoiler thought alerts are silly. It. Personally, I mean, you say a spoiler alert, but I mean the. You know, I've I don't know how many times I've watched it, and I it always ends right. the same way. <laughs> I still go back and watch I, I still it. Watch it, right? I mean, I mean the the unwashed masses that watched uh, Shakespeare's plays at the Globe Theater, they knew, they all knew how those plays turned out, and they came back to them year after year after year and loved them, even though they knew how they right. turned out. So I think spoiler alerts are silly. Personally. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think it's a good point. So if anybody does is concerned about it, we, you know, being able to to be able to talk about it, we do have to talk about the end because the end yeah. actually wraps the whole thing in a in a bow, so so to speak. So <laughs> anyway, I don't know, uh, you know, where I would where I would not necessarily start, but I'll start on kind of the 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 least exciting portion of it, which is sometimes I tell my kids, I said, look some of the theology on this is not <laughs> is not that great but it's a good way to talk about cuz in this story about a about a a man who i guess at the center of it is he's, he's a, about to commit suicide he's about to jump off a bridge and there's this conversation that's been going on between a couple planets and a star <laughs> but you'll see it's it's between god St. Joseph and this, I guess, guardian angel of this man who's about to jump off. Is that how you see it, Monica? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good way of setting it up. And I know Thaddeus wanted to add something else. So yeah. That's, that's yeah I, before you get into the actual movie, I was just going to point out that yeah, um, that's good. it came out in 1946. It's black and white. It's starring... Uh, James, Jimmy Stewart is in the lead role. It's one of his most famous roles. Right. Um, Donna Reed, who was a, she, I think she's a fairly established right. actress at that point, is uh, his wife, Mary. Right. And the great Lionel Barrymore, who came from the, the Barrymore family of stage actors and early film actors, uh, he played he plays Mr. Potter, who's kind of the the villain. The villain yeah. So, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Lionel Barrymore are facing off against each other. And then there's a whole host of uh, great minor characters. Um, but I thought <clears throat> in doing a little bit of reading up on it, it was a flop when it was originally released. Really? Um, oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. And it was, it was rediscovered on television in the 1970s because there was a lapse in copyright. And it became kind of a holiday staple in the 1980s, kind of probably around probably the time when we were fell in love it with weird. it. Right. And then it's it's kind of become a classic Christmas film um, since then. In the last you know 30 years, it was or on so. it was on Saturday night or sun, or yesterday. I can't remember. Yeah. So it's already it, it's already it's already shown making at least once run. here uh, yeah. this year. So uh, the great the great Frank Capra was uh, the director. And 
Um, I think what's interesting for me is, is again, that it did come out in 1946. It comes out right on the heels of the end of World War II, right. uh, what the, con- the, the social, political, cultural experience of World War II. And it's interesting to me that it, that it was not very popular because um, two years before uh, Going My Way, with uh, Bing Crosby in the lead role of Father O'Malley, he won Best Actor for that role, where he was a Catholic priest. Wow. And then the next year you had Bells of St. Mary's, which was also yes. nominated for Best Picture. He was in the same role, again, nominated for um, Best Pic- best Actor in that in that film. And um, That's really so, so Catholic uh, religious films were some of the most popular, most critically regarded um, types of films coming out at the time uh, that It's a Wonderful Life debuted. Um, and, I, and I guess some of the, some of the other commentary I, I came across is simply that it's a lot more complex of a movie than people think of it as. It's, it's not a, just a happy, schmaltzy holiday film. It's got dark There's elements death. to it. And I think that that fits with kind of the time that it came out in. I think that there was euphoria over winning the war, but there had been a great deal of loss and suffering that went along with, with fighting World War II. And I think, uh, and the readjustment of the, the servicemen coming home and the readjustment to peacetime, um, I think it speaks to some of those themes, probably. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's interesting to, to put it in context. I, I, I honestly never hurting that it's like you said just been something that i that i've kind of grew up watching not maybe late later like high school so it would have been like in the 80s that we started watching it and then once we got married and stephanie and i were watching it before we had kids and 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 since it's pretty much a staple and i think it i think it's so influential that it's the kind of movie that you can say it and it's going to there's going to be a group of people that are going to clutch their hearts and say, oh, I love that movie, and a whole another group that's going to roll their eyes and say, oh, it's so terrible. You know, I don't like that movie at all. And everybody kind of knows what it is, at least knows its reputation. It's a very culturally in, important yeah, I think. movie, I think. Go ahead. Watermark, if you want to say. Monica, would you, how would you uh, add to that or at least bounce this yeah. off? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the um, kind of bird's eye view. Um, you know, having a University of Dallas master's degree in humanities, I also have one in theological studies, but my humanities kind of radar gets up with things like this. So anything that's art, like whether it's, you know, drawing or literature, or in this case, a movie, you know, how do you judge art? I mean, I don't think we should go to that with this show, but I do want to point out that we can't say, in my opinion, it's not a good movie just because it teaches a good moral. I think that does a disservice to art. Great Instead, I think it's a good movie. I think it, the reason why it's a classic is because it tells truths that are lasting. And then there's, there's the transcendent that breaks into the human especially in the midst of hard times. And so, you know, it's, you wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's a Catholic movie. I wouldn't even say it's a Christian movie. I don't, you know, maybe Christ is mentioned in in the um, songs that are also sung, but I would say it is about truth and beauty and goodness and, you know, really the gift of self. So, you know, now that I have a theology of body perspective, there's something about the fact that, George Bailey, the main character, Jimmy Stewart's character, um, comes to understand his life um, is actually wonderful. You know, whereas before, uh, I would call it romanticized understanding of life. Like, wouldn't y'all say, like, he wants to go on a trip and he wants to go on this engagement thing and he wants to get away from his family in this bad town because it's so small but it turns out to be actually a powerfully big life that he has lived, very impactful, 
it, and that's it, why I think it's it, it's a classic, not because of morals, but because it taps into something deep in our in our human recesses. Yeah, I think that's that's a super point. I I think the thing I like is about that is I wish that that more people today were as subtle, I guess, but as mm. deep have as much depth in the art that they produce, so that they could get at the heart of things that are true, good, and beautiful in a way that doesn't necessarily, you know, isn't, you know, Catholic or Christian, but does speak truth so that others can come to listen to it and say, hey, you know, I can see that or um, I can understand that more, de- you know, in more depth as a result of watching this show or reading this book or looking at this mm-hmm. painting or, or whatever. But I, I think that mm-hmm. I think we need more people who will work hard to try to get at the heart of those things that are deep down inside of us in a way that, you know, attracts people to watch it because it's fun to watch at the same time <laughs> as it's revealing something good. You know, I mean, it's a, not that it's like, but it, that's kind of like being a fisher, right? A fisher. <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, you're, you're something that's attractive. Hey, I can go watch this whether I believe or don't believe and still gain something from it. Um, mm-hmm. because it's all about what is true, good, and beautiful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and one of my uh, talks um, that I've done you know, for twenty some odd years, I kind of use a George Bailey type of prayer. And what I do is I have the teenage kid. I'm like, okay, pray to God you get this bit of candy because I'm holding candy for him to look at, and he goes, God, please give me some candy. And then I've already whispered to these two boys, okay, go beat up him, you know. So the boys come and they beat up the kid. And I'm like, oh, why do you trust God? You just prayed and you got beaten, you know, in answer to your prayer. So don't trust God. And of course, they all know I'm being ironic because I'm a theology body speaker. But what I, you know, come to help them understand is, you know, uh, God is not some sort of Coke machine where you put in some coins and then you get out whatever you desired, you know. Instead, there are these bumps and, you know, kind of God riding straight with crooked lines. And so when George Bailey, remember that prayer, yeah. he says, you know, help, and this then he it. literally gets punched, right? Isn't that what happened? I can't remember that. Yeah, part. so I've got, yeah, uh, I think, I think, yeah, dear Father, and yeah, dear Father in heaven, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and you can hear me, show me the way, show me the way. And pretty soon after that, he gets punched in the mouth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, but and, what he doesn't see, sorry, Trey, no, no, you're right. Go ahead. Part. What, what he doesn't see, and this is a sacramental view of reality. So I say it's not Catholic, but there's stuff in there. He doesn't know that that, you know, that Clarence is the answer to his prayer and Clarence is the angel right. who needs his wings, you know? So I love it because it's so T.O.B. because by Clarence and his kind of weird roundabout, not so, you know, you know, a good way, he is helping George, and then George helps him by receiving his gift of self. Right. You know, through various things, like, you know, the, the, the unfolding of his life. And we just don't know all the times that we've affected people. And right. God has answered our prayer, but just not in the way that we thought that God should have answered our prayer. So I just love it. It's fantastic. It is. And it does give a good view of it. It shows that suffering is not the last word, so to speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think like, again, I'm going to, I'll give a quick, quick overview as I was talking kind of the, the center of the movie is the point at which he is standing on the, on the bridge about to kill himself. Prior to that, you're, you get a kind of a review of this man's life as God, they say St. Joseph, because that's actually the character that's supposedly speaking, and Clarence, this angel from heaven, who gets sent down, they say, okay, watch these stories, and he gives all these stories, background stories, up and leading up to why is he on this bridge about to, you know, kill himself, I mean, jump off a bridge, and then they send God, and St. Joseph, I guess, you know, send this angel Clarence in the form of a human being. And anyway, it, it it begins, I mean, the really kind of the, it's not the beginning of the movie, but it kind of starts unfolding the depth of it when he 
instead of him jumping, the angel jumps in the river in front of him, and George, being George, jumps in to save him <laughs> and <laughs> and pulls him out, and then that's where it starts going. He's like, you know, my life is worthless. Everything's bad. All these bad things have happened to me. And and then uh, what happens is is he's, he gets the blessing because the angel looks to God and says, he sa- basically he says while he's coming out of the water warming up, it's better if I wouldn't, he says it's better if, you know, if I were dead, I'd be, it'd be better if I was dead. And the angel says, oh, don't say that. And he goes, well, I guess, yeah, that would hurt other people. So I guess it was better that I would never be born. And that's kind of the hinge on which this whole movie plays because the angel, the angel looks up to heaven and says, Could I, can I do this? And basically he shows, okay, you've never been born. And now he goes back and walks through his, back to his house, back to other places and, and, and experiences what life is like has as if he had never been born before. And, mm-hmm. and all, all the consequences thereof, you know, that Mr. Gower, the pharmacist, would have poisoned accidentally some kid because I think he was drunk, right? Because his wife right. died or something his, like oh, that. His, daughter, his so son had died George of influenza. Bailey, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so, you know, the young, you know, maybe 12, 13-year-old George Bailey says, Mr. Gower, you know, there's something wrong with this, even though then he hit him in the ear and right. hurt his ear, damaged his ear. But there it is, you know, that that his gift of self saved, you know, this this man and, you know, the boy's life. And then what else happened, Trey? Well, that, I mean, that one, so that one you see, you see before that he, he's, he accidentally put rat poison in, and George, as a little kid, sees that he put rat poison in, in this medicine that's going and doesn't deliver. It goes, of course, you know, go ask your father, go ask dad, you know, how do I do this? He doesn't show up. Then they call and, and where's the medicine? And he comes back with it. And that's when the Mr. Gower gets mad, saying, you're supposed to have delivered this. And he said, there's something wrong with this, Mr. Gower, as he's being hit <laughs> in the head. He tastes it and realizes it is rat poison. Thank you. You saved, you saved this. Well, the flip side is after when he sees this other, when he sees the other side, had he not been born, later in the movie, he's at this place and this man walks in. And he says, hey, Mr. Gower and all the people at this bar, you know that guy? He, he killed a whole family. You know, he killed a family. He poisoned them. He just got out of prison. How do you know him? So that's when you start to realize, you know, it takes a little bit to figure out, wow, he, that's right. If he wasn't there to stop him, then this is what would have happened. So this man who has become a productive um, part of that society, somebody who's well-respected, somebody who has a relationship with this man, without him now has become this horrible killer <laughs> who was who was who'd been in jail and was not around so that's that's mm-hmm. one i mean if you think like his i mean i think the other big one is his brother who he's so proud of um harry harry um rescues saves the story is in in world war is that world war 1 or is it World War Two? I can't remember. In the in the again, I don't movie. I don't know the movie itself well enough. That's well, I know it was it was set just it was just after the dep- depression, so it had to been it had to been World War One, World War Two, World War Two, I think, because the World depression. War Two comes after the depression. Yes. Yeah, so it had to been World War Two. Anyway, his, his brother saves these people, and then as he's reli- as he's going back as if he had never died. He runs into somebody no, and says, no, no, not died, as, not, as if he'd never, as he never been, been born. born. Sorry, sorry okay. yes. As if he had never been born, as if he had never existed. He goes back and he, somebody tells him, well, that, you know, so-and-so died when he was young. And he said, but Mr., you know, your, your brother, the angel's telling him, your brother wasn't there to save those people because you weren't there to save him when he fell through the ice as a, as a young kid so there's a scene that you see before where they're saying and his and his brother as a probably an eight-year-old tag-along kid falls through the ice and his brother gets all the other guys and they make a chain and they rescue him and so all the people that his brother rescued in world war ii he they all died as a result of the fact that because george had never lived he had died 
when he was a little kid and wasn't there to save mm-hmm. him. Can yeah, I jump in so, and ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this obviously is not a perfect. Um, it's not. It's not perfectly analogous to what Christ says to Judas at the Last Supper about it would be better for him if he had never been born. But huh. is there any kind of that's not parallel? But is it a counterpoint? Is is there something there to contrast this idea of George Bailey not having ever been born, Charles Dickens with um, Scrooge? It's a different kind of a thing with Scrooge looking back on his life, how it would have been different. So maybe like leave that aside. I'm sorry. But is there anything there with this look at life without George Bailey in it and what Christ was trying to get at with saying Judas, um, saying to Judas, it would have, it would be better for him if he had never been born. Sorry to, if I'm derailing things. I think it's above my pay grade. I think so. I think it is too, because I can't. I thought about that parallel, but you know, it, it seems when our Lord says it to Judas, it's a real thing. It's not mm-hmm. like what George Bailey was was wishing for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. I think it's very ominous right. what our Lord says to, to Judas, as opposed to you know all of us who are like, oh well, I'm kind of worthless in life. Well, no, you're not. So I don't know about that. What do y'all think? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know about it. I think it's definitely different. It's obviously it is the same same mm-hmm. words, but yeah, but, but but I do, yeah, I think well, it seems to be different. But yeah, what, what I would like to point out is uh, I think it's very obvious that um, the, the interconnectedness of people right. to each other in our, in our lives. So we as Catholics would call that the mystical body of Christ. And, you know, we're, we're approaching Christmas. And so, you know, it, it always um, strikes me that one, one thing that Pope Benedict says is he he points to the word advent and the word advent comes from the parousia which means you know there's a coming or a visitation and then pope benedict also points out that one of the ways besides the incarnation that god likes to visit us to make his presence known is through others and so i think um this It's a Wonderful Life is about God's manifestation through others, and particularly through George Bailey. And so to put um, a, a more Catholic spin on it, it says in the Catechism that we are an extension of the Incarnation. So the Incarnation being the second person of the Blessed Trinity, becoming human with the body. And so what does the Catechism mean it means through our acts of love, this is almost quoting Pope Benedict um, verbatim, God is made present. And so with George Bailey, I mean, he's just kind of an average guy going about his business. Yes. But he happened to save his brother's life. He happened to be willing to stand up to this pharmacist. You know, even his future bride, Mary, probably would have been like you know, kind of an insular I don't know, librarian that never got out. Well, that's what actually happens. Yeah, right. Yeah, Viola, you know, all these other people are impacted by him just being himself. So, you know, if you think about this, you know, the the mystery of parenthood, one of the best things I think the parents should take home from this movie and give to their children would be the fact that in your everyday life, when you give the gift of self by giving or receiving, it's not just giving, then you're impacting others. And depending on the age, you could say you're extending Christ's presence here, you know, or just by saying, you know, you, you're by living according to who you are. Right. In, 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 in a profound, loving way, you are really helping others out. What, what do y'all think is, no, is dad? I think that's beautiful because I think that is at the core of what it is. First off, in getting to the, to the fact that it's God's extension of himself to others it does show if in our in in our human wisdom, which is lacking a, a big picture view, sometimes it would seem like maybe as it does to George to some people that my not even being born would be better. Nobody, at least nobody, would be hurt. Is the you know is his context because when he says, like, "Well, what about your wife? What about your kids?" Okay, well, yeah, that would be bad for me to die. So maybe it'd just be better if I hadn't been born. 
And you realize if you extract a person who's meant to be an extension and, and meant to be an extension of God, the extension of God, I, I like the fact that it, it does point to the fact that only he could do what he was put on this planet to do. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not like, okay, somebody else would have done that. <laughs> and that is, a, that is a, a true statement that we're put on this planet and we have a mission that's singular to us something to say, something to give to this world, our very selves, that if we choose not to do it, that this world would be lacking something that, mm-hmm. that was meant to be there. And I, mm-hmm. and I think that that is kind of at the center of this, that when, when you think, well, you know, if I just wasn't around, then everything would be better. In fact, no, you're saying that that extension of God into this world through you is now pulled out and away. And so all those gifts that you've given throughout your life of yourself in ways that sometimes we see as small were hugely impactful. And I think that those together, the, the, the fact that if you extract something that was meant to be an extension of God, then that makes the world lesser than what it would be if you had existed. And if you recognize it, all those things that seem so small, because what is George Bailey trying to do? He's like, I want to go build big things. I want to, you know, he's got all these big plans and, and think different things happen and he makes sacrifices and decides not to go do this. So his, his brother can go, you know, to college and then go off to the war and do all these things. And he's always sacrificing and staying and doing just little things, you know, things that seem very unimpactful in, in, from a human perspective. But in fact, they all are hugely impactful. They're, they change the trajectory of multitudes of people mm-hmm. because of his existence. And, and so there's that kind of transcendent sense that we as humans are incapable of seeing, but we have to trust because it's true that we are on this planet for a reason, that God is extending himself to others through us. And no matter how small or insignificant we might think the things that we're doing are, they are impacting others. Not just the individuals themselves, but also those people that those individuals would go forth and impact. I, I, that interconnectivity that you're talking about is, I think, part of the beauty and the truth that this, that this movie gets at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think also when he comes to see, oh, my gosh, like that thing helped people, that, that you know, it's almost like a humble, oh, wow, I didn't know. And then uh, remember the Zuzu's Petals right. listeners? Yes. Zuzu's Petals. Like it's, um, you know, when when his daughter, Zuzu, was sick, right. he went up there to visit her, even though he's going through this huge crisis. Gosh, I, I think about you dads. And, you know, you have all of this on your shoulder and the burdens, I think of moms too. And then you go up and you have to set aside all those burdens that you have on your own shoulders and focus on this child's problem. And her problem was the the flower petals fell down, you know, like it's something so simple, but it's huge for little Zuzu. And so he tries to repair it. And one of the ways he does is he sticks it in his like a little pocket there, right? You remember that? Those of you who are listening. I love, yeah. I and love then that remember scene. at the very end when he's realizing, oh my gosh, I, you know, uh, that God allowed him to be, to exist again, you might say. Right. And one of the things he's like, is there Zuzu petals, Zuzu's petals? And there they are. In other words, the hardship of his daughter, his own hardships, the hardships of his wife all of the problems, all the suffering, it's worth it. Right, That's right. another thing that I think is so beautiful about this movie. And, and it's, like and it, all of us oftentimes are like, take away my burden, God, you know, let the suffering go away and all this other stuff. And, you know, for, for me personally, like one of the hardest things, the reason why I'm connected with people like you at Texas A&M is I thought I was going to get married and I moved to Texas A&M and was a campus minister, and then the guy called off the wedding. And right. So it was a horrible time in my life, such mm. that I'm like, I don't think I'm going to follow God anymore, you know, if he exists. Mm, right. And guess what I didn't know back then? I didn't know the theology of the body. I didn't <laughs> become an author and speaker and get on to be on a radio show, you know. And so, so much of it has to do with 
the suffering that we endure somehow is united with Jesus Christ's suffering on the cross. Yes. And for parents to kind of help children see the smallest to the largest is united with Christ, which is also united with him at Mass, and then the resurrection follows. Right. And so it is a wonderful life, but not in a uh, sentimental way. It's very different from the, the Hallmark movies, which yeah, everything you know, works are out feeling perfectly. good, you know, nothing against them, but it's a, it's a much deeper one. It's a di- deeper aspect of, lo- of looking at who we are and the human condition. Um, it's the cross, through the cross that we get to the resurrection. That's, that's a, my spin on it. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's great because I've got this quote up because the whole reason he's at the, he, the whole reason he's, he's about to commit suicide is, is there was a deposit that his uncle misplaced. It was, it was misplaced. And so the examiner's there as a, ba- you know, as a banker, you know, <laughs> be a big deal for a couple, th- several thousand dollars to be missing. Um, assuming that you've, you know, they would assume you've taken it. So they're coming to arrest him and he runs off to go. And he's like, this is where, that's where it happens. He's going to kill himself because it's going to be, everything's going to be awful. Well, after he sees his, after he sees um, what his life, how much his life had impacted others, after he gets that glimpse and he asked, I want to live again. I want to live again. Oh God, please let me live again. And then all of a sudden he shows up. Well, guess what? None of that stuff, him living again, all those same problems are there when he comes back and the, and the police come and arrest him. And he, and there's this quote, isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of, I mean, sometimes we think that the answer is to take it all away, to make it all better or to remove ourselves from the suffering. What this movie reveals is that God's answer is not to take that suffering away, it's to use the suffering. And that is a message that is not taught, (laughs) particularly in today's culture. Suffering is somehow the ultimate evil um, to be avoided at all costs. Um, and I think that to a certain extent, without getting too deep, that's part of why I think suicides are on a up, that, 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 that stuff, the answer to suffering is to just end it, as opposed to what this movie points to is, wow, I, I'm still going to jail. He didn't fix, he didn't, God didn't fix that, but he showed me something better. I've had, it's been, it is a wonderful life, and I'll go to jail if I have to go to jail. You know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I wouldn't trade my family. What, I wouldn't trade my life. Yeah. I wouldn't trade all those bad, all those things that hurt, all the t- all the things that didn't work out the way I planned. You know, I wouldn't trade any of that because that's when he runs back home. Well, after he, that's when he that's when he realizes it because he reaches in and there's that famous scene because he reaches to find Zuzu's petals after his life has been kind of extinguished, so to speak, and they're not there, and then. Um, well, that's really actually you're making me think of another point. They're not there, and he goes, oh, you know, but I just put those Zuzu, and then he can hear out of an ear that because he jumped into the water to save his brother, he got a bad ear infection, and he always lost, and that's that that's why he didn't um he couldn't hear, and then when he gets given this gift of seeing life as if he'd never lived, he can hear out of that ear. I guess the point is is that all these things that point to him. He actually jumps up. He says, say that into this ear. And when he can't hear, he's excited about it because he realizes, okay, I saved my brother. I did. So all these (laughs) negative things are pointing to, hey, I did something. something. The reason that happened was because I gave myself to somebody and that gift, while causing me pain, actually helped somebody else. There's something Mm -hmm. beautiful about that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we can also turn the tables as well. Like let's say parents are watching this movie and gosh, I would suggest that you just let them absorb it and not right away, like teach morals. Out right. Of it. But you know, just to kind of keep, you know, returning to it. And when I say turn the tables, it's not only like our gifts that affect others. It's also, unfortunately our sinfulness and our weakness. So yes. in other words, like, 
we, we could say, okay, George, you know, it's focused on all the positive stuff. But what about in a family when one child decides to do something wrong? It affects all of us. Yeah. When, you know, one child, you know, decides, well, I'm going to disobey or I'm going to, you know, leave the faith or something like that, like later on when they're in their 20s, it doesn't only affect them. Right. It's, again, this ripple effect. And so I think the the mystical body of Christ, again, can be drawn in there for good or what I'm trying to point out for ill. And so it's not just me, myself, and I who am deciding on my own life. You know, I live in a context of a family, a context of a group of people, a context of friends. Yep. Um, and so to, you know, kind of choose my bodily actions in an intentional way, um, hopefully for good, you know, has, has an effect on, you know, the, the, the people I live with and, and, and people I interact with in, in a positive or a negative way. Yeah, that's a great that's a, that's a great message too because I think too often today it's like I well how's that going to hurt anybody I mean we don't know how it's going to hurt somebody but we do know that if we do something that's against what we're meant to do so and for lack of a better way of putting it that it will impact others whether we know or can foresee how that's going to happen there is this interconnectivity of just being human we're not no man is an island. Um, some great poets said that, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I think, but I think that, I think that that's another reason. I mean, it's funny as we talk about this, there are things about it that I had, hadn't been articulated to me, but, but kind of is maybe inherently built into the, what, the way we see things, because I think that's what the beauty is without actually sitting back like we're doing right now and talking about it. I now, when you say it, recognize that that's part of the beauty of it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I mean, I, I think that's something about art and humanities that sometimes we can actually, without being able to put our finger on it, without being able to maybe articulate it, that there's something that just speaks to kind of who we are as a human being, the way Mm -hmm. God made us. Like, yeah, I don't know what about that, but that's something I'm drawn to. That's something I'm attracted to. That's something Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. It it reminds me of um, the, you know, toward the end um, when, He's like, yep, I'm probably going to go to jail, and here's the bank examiner. But but what's happening is, is uh, I would say what is it Saint Faustina who says God's mercy likes to go to the lowest point. It's not the highest that God, you know. It, right. Jesus says, I come, I have come to seek the sick and save the lost. And so, you know, George Bailey was certainly lost. But what happens at the end? marry his wife and all of his other friends and his brother who's this you know recognized hero um in the military comes home and they're all like singing songs together and everyone is now giving money to George Bailey and his family and so again it's the it's the common good when people you know see others who are hurt and in need like what you're saying, Trey, like there's something in the human psyche, the human heart, the human spirit that longs to help another. And so there he is, like he's happy and now the richest man in the world, not so much financially, although he's, you know, now o- over that financial struggle, but, you know, he, he knows he's rich with friends. Isn't that the last saying? Something like, yeah, I think no I've man. got it here. Uh, yeah, you, you have that. And, um, what yeah, no, no, well, I think no man is a failure who has friends. I think is how that's it is the last. Yeah, is that remember George? Yeah. Right. No man is a failure. It who reminds me of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says that one of the greatest blessings we have on earth are our friends, and so for parents to like take that seriously, take the friendship idea, and you know that's why you choose friends wisely, right? Because they're the ones who you know are going to make you rich. Even if they're, you know, it's it's not a financial richness at all, but but something, you know, more deep. And then, do you want to talk, Trey, about the end about Clarence? Uh, about the. Then um, he get his wings. Uh, yeah, he gets, gets, yeah, gets his wings. You know, that's the part of the part of the story that that with him, you know, he's sent down there. 
I think he's they call he calls himself an AS2. That's an angel second class or something like that. <laughs> and um, there, you know, please do not talk about this. But at some point, it's worth having the conversation. In the movie, Clarence is is shown to be like a man that had lived like three hundred years before or something like that. That is becoming an angel. That theologically, that's that's not correct. Don't waste your time on that. Just. <laughs> File it back yeah. there. Angels do not have bodies. I'd like to say outright theology of the body, but it, this is not meant to be a theology. Uh, right. Movie. That's why when people say, "Oh, well, that's theologically incorrect," you know, it, does, it not, doesn't it matter. Not meant to be a theology book. So, right. It was ahead. not. This was not meant to be theologically correct. But but it was right. again because because what he was sent to do was to do whatever he had to do within God's plan as George's guardian angel to and from the very beginning he says if i if i can do this well does that mean i'll get my wings you know and 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 that's the whole movie is him and at the end when everything works out when he chooses to go back home and even though he knows he's he's going to probably go to jail and the bank examiner's there and he's running back and he wants to run upstairs and all these things that he doesn't like like the knob on the on the uh on the staircase that keeps falling off and he gets so angry because it's never been fixed and it never has worked right. And all of a sudden, like he picks it up as he's running upstairs to see Zuzu who's been sick. It comes off again. And the thing that's made him angry, he actually like kisses and puts it back down. Oh, wonderful (laughs) knob. And then he runs upstairs and sees his daughter who had been sick and all these different things where he's recognizing the beauty of the fact that the other exists and, and that I've had an impact and those people have had an impact on me. And just because it, there was illness, just because there was sickness, just because financial problems have happened or whatever, it's still the fact that we're all one in one family, all loving one another, all there together is way worth way more than any of the other things that you thought were so important. I know I, what makes me think about it is when I, when and you were here. We've talked about this before. When my mother died, and in, in other major events, when people have gotten sick, I I found that unfortunately that's when I have had the greatest perspective on what's really important. I don't know if if you've experienced that before, but I mean I've had sure. it multiple times where, when all of a sudden that's happening, my mother's dying or is, has died, you begin to realize man, it was great to have her in my life. It was great to spend time with her, all, you know, and all these other things that I thought were so important that were, are just secondary, you know, and I think that perspective itself is worth talking mm-hmm. about. And that's what happened. That's part of the message here is, yeah, it's still bad. I'm still probably going to jail. I mean, he doesn't at the end, but it's totally alert, but because all these people donate enough money to offset the deposit that's missing. Um, but he, realizes that all those bad things that he wished were gone or which were fixed, he doesn't care anymore because it's all about who he's with, who he's invested mm-hmm. his life in. It, yeah. it sounds like it's right. a, we've only got about four minutes left. It sounds like it's a very powerful pro-life movie in, in that what you learn is, if I'm understanding your summaries of the movie correctly, that his life just having his life is a, is wonderful with all the problems that have have happened with everything that he has to live through the fact that he's alive and that he's a father and that he's a family but i mean just the the fact that he's alive is of great value to him at, at by the end of the movie mm-hmm. is that is that correct yeah I, I would say so and i would add the reason why it's a wonderful life is because he is for others. So a theology body twist on it would be St. John Paul says, we, a human is a being for another. So that's hyphenated, being for another. And so the, the reason why life is so wonderful is because the, even the word father means I am for my children. Mother means I am for my children. Husband and wife, they're for each other. Brothers and sisters, it means they're for each other. And so, you know, for the, the mystery of parenthood, for parents to, like, even use that phrase, we are for each other and for God, I think kind of summarizes why life's so important. Not just me by myself, but me in the context of the family. 
makes I, life worth living. Right. I think that that is the central message of the movie because as you look at it, the way you say that, for I've never thought about it that way, but he is for all those people. He's for his wife. He's for his children. And you recognize that the children don't, they don't even understand what's going on with the financial problem. They just want dad, you know? They just want him around. They want him happy. They want him there. They're, I mean, they're, it's their father. And, um, but everything, that whole movie points to being for others. His brother, with, if he wasn't for his brother, his brother would have died. If he wasn't for his wife, those children would have never existed. If he wasn't for, I mean, you just go through the list of the impact that he had seemingly small in his in his eyes he's lived some in his eyes he lived some short of the greatness that he thought he was called to but in fulfilling what he was called to do and being for those who were put in his life he changed the world even though he mm-hmm. got that rare glimpse of being able to change the, what what that yeah. impact was so yeah and then we have to end i think daddy's probably going to cut us off so to yeah. say um Teacher said that when a bell rings, oh, yeah. an angel gets it's his wings. wings. <laughs> and he says, yeah, a boy, Clarence. Yeah. Knowing that he helped the, the angel get his wings. And that's how it is. They're it's singing, they're singing, uh, what old, old Langsine and yeah. at the, at that and their, and the bell does ring and, and the little Zuzu <laughs> says, look, daddy, you know, teacher says, you know, angel, cause the bell rings on the tree and, and he goes, he realizes that that was it because Clarence is telling him, I've been sent here to get my wings and how I get your my wings is by you accepting the circumstance and realizing how wonderful your life is. So anyway, I I, I would challenge anybody to, to watch it and, and give it, a, you know, listen all the way through, watch the whole thing and um, and see, I'm, like I said, it could be any movie. I, I well, I'm just happen to be partial to this one. And I think your kids, even though it's black and white, tell them to bear with it. They'll, they will love it. So, Monica, thank you so much. I know we're down to like You're the welcome. last 30 minutes. Remember, give me your website again. Make sure people know. Tobit.org, T-O-B-E-T.org. Thanks so much, Thaddeus. Yeah, Thanks thank great. you, Thaddeus. Thank you, Monica. Um, as I always, uh, my wife says better than I do, um, remember to pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you and he will pray for us we pray for you happy advent God bless from the cross to